0: Okay, so I guess this is the first Word with God podcast. I'm Carrie Petker. I'm here with Pastor Stan Starkey. How are you doing, Stan? I'm doing pretty good, Carrie. And you? Oh, I'm good. I'm a little. T- I think feel like we should have had a coffee beforehand or
1: something. Or had one with us would have been would have been nice. <laughs> I, I've had enough coffee today. So I've been up since three o'clock this morning uh, at another job that I have, and so uh, uh, coffee. I'm coffeeed out today.
0: Okay. So, Word with God. I didn't come up with that. I introduced this, so I guess it kind of sounded like Mm -hmm. it's my podcast, but it's both of ours, but you've got the Word with God thing. That's
1: you. Where's that coming from? I wrote about, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 names down. I was looking for something that would really define our radio ministry that we were beginning, and as I I looked through the list. I kind of kept narrowing it down smaller and smaller. And then, you know, what is it that we're about? What is it that uh, our radio program was going to center around? And it was was the word of God. And then um, I talked to a friend of mine who's a musician. And I said, it'd be really nice if we had a, a song that really kind of fit with that. And I didn't really want to take something that was already out there and on the air. Uh, and so a guy named Brian Cowell, uh, wrote the song. And then another friend of mine, Marty Lewis was doing some, uh, work in Nashville. And, uh, uh, actually I think it was for Rachel Lampa at the time and doing some mixing for her. And he just called some studio musicians in, uh, Brian had already laid down vocal tracks and, uh, and a, a rhythm guitar to it, and so before I knew it, in a matter of probably eight weeks, we had uh, uh, the background music for it, and the words are amazing words if you listen to them uh, at the beginning of each radio program, and it talks about God's Word being a light, and leading, and guiding, and and showing my path in life, and that's really the heart of uh, our radio ministry. Is, um, We take the Sunday morning messages and break them into each Sunday morning, makes two radio programs, and uh, then we have some conversation uh, about that and what's being talked about that Sunday. Usually, I mean, I've gone through, it's been over 10 years now, it must be 11 years, three uh, major uh, co-hosts. And uh, then just recently, we began bringing you in a little bit. When uh, I had to spice things up, you had to spice things up. Yeah, I was getting Actually getting
0: stale with some old farts.
1: Well, there you go.
0: <laughs> okay, but I, it's funny. I, like, I've known you for I think like seven years or something now. It's mm-hmm. been, since I was twenty-four, so uh, I'm a teacher, but I'm not good at math. So this has been a Around that long.
1: You're a French teacher,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I could tell you how many years in French, but in English, that's a whole different story. Um, but I, I've never actually asked you. Uh, I mean, I knew you were doing the radio show because it comes up on Sundays or snark talks or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. But I don't know why you started it. Where did that come from?
1: It was a way to, to get um, a new perspective out on what church—I mean, this was— t- over 10 years ago. Our church has been around for 50 years at that point, uh, maybe even a little bit longer than, I guess it was longer than 50 years, probably 57 years at that point. And uh, I thought if if we could grab uh, some of those who people had been in church, but had left church, maybe they were in church as children or teenagers and had had left the—maybe not even left the faith, but had kind of given up on church—that God's Word could be presented in such a way that was both impactful and applicable to life, that God's Word has something to say, something to say about how we live, something to say about how to live life well. And— and so that was kind of a new venture uh for our church and over the years, we've had quite a few people come to our church through that radio ministry and really as just a um just another arm of the church, another arm of of the ministry at evangel and we've seen people respond to that and enter in and and really, most of those people were not going to church at the time. It's amazing how many people listen to Christian radio that are not connected to a church any longer.
0: It was funny, actually, because just recently, Dennis was saying how they ended up at our church, and Mm -hmm. did he say he was sleeping or something, and he woke up, and...
1: Well, he had prayed asking God to show him the next step for their family, and uh and then went to sleep he's a trucker he's up in the in way early in the morning he wasn't sleeping in the truck while he was driving no he wasn't no. sleeping in the truck he was at home and he laid down for a nap and said you know god i just need direction where should we go to church he fell asleep he woke up and there was our radio program and and we were doing i think there was a commercial at the time saying where we were and what time we met and he just took it that you know, he had prayed simply, and God had answered simply.
0: Actually, I guess we should mention that's Evangel Community Ministries that we're a part of. Right, one twelve Spadina Road West. There you go. I so I didn't. I ended up there, yeah, six seven years ago, because I was doing. I was at EBC Manual Bible College doing my pastoral studies, and I had to do that internship, and that mm-hmm. I was having a heck of a time with that because. They had their requirements that you had to fill, and every church I went to, our I was at Grandview before that, and our pastor had just stepped down, so I couldn't. There was no pastor there for me to intern with, so I'm going to all these churches, and I'm like, here's the requirements, and they're like, oh, we don't do that, we don't do this, we don't, like couldn't find any anywhere right. to go. And then Kim was like, hey, why don't you try Evangel? she had been doing youth there or something, right? Yeah, and I remember. Like, I won't forget heading there. I I can't remember if I came for a Sunday first or if I came and met you. But I went down to the church house and talked to you, sort of shared my story, and you sat there petting the dog yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Or more like, I don't know, like trying to pin him down or something. You, you, had, your, yeah. you, had, your, you had your arm around him and uh, started telling me your story. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking... Like oh this is a little church in a part of town I'm not from, or you know mm-hmm. it's a bit of a drive to get here, and the other church that I was looking at WMB, uh, they were much closer to me and would have more girls at it, so I thought that's... and as a young
1: man who's not married that that's where your mind went yeah and okay. what I
0: remember is you're sitting there telling me kind of like your story I was like getting this feeling, and like, oh, come on, like, do I really have to go here? <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, stay, you seem cool and all that, but I'm like, the ladies are at the other church, and it's closer to home, and all, all those great reasons, and I, I just felt this feeling, I have I don't have this happen much for me, mm-hmm. but one it's one of the times in my life I can point to where I had this sense that I would be disobeying God somehow if I went to another church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't I still don't know what reason that would be, but that's why I just have this memory of sitting in that church basement having that talk with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember that talk too. Like ours is it's one of the few churches that have a guard dog. <laughs> um actually if you feed him he he will do nothing to you and would let you steal anything on site probably. And, uh, most, most labs are like that. They're loyal to the last person that fed, fed them. But I remember that meeting too. And, and, and at the time you seemed kind of disjointed, not sure where you wanted to go or where you wanted to be. And, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of thinking, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's going to work out. I'm not sure if he's interested at all or, and actually I was a bit surprised when you said that you would do the internship. Um, that kind of took—I uh, say—took say took me back. But I just—I was. Oh, well, that's—that was kind of a pleasant surprise, actually. That. Uh, uh, Why was that? Um, I was desperate. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but I mean, we in a very small church. Um, small churches tend to be desperate too, and if they, if if you are not allowing God to kind of order the direction of the church, it's easy to fall into if a person's kind of breathing and still walking of of uh, just being happy that they're there and so quality people people that you're going to pour life into and that are going to pour back into the church those are um those are god moments in a small church
0: yeah how do you not strangle people in the church basically when it comes to Someone's new. They want to serve. We're a small church, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, great. You're on every Sunday now because we have we need someone in children's ministry or something right. like that. We have yeah. no one in children's ministry. You said you'd do it. You're on every. Su- I mean, that you, they're yeah. they're not going to stick
1: around. No, and and we're to the point. We're the we're at this strange point as a church where we've we've would what I would not say we don't have critical mass yet, and yet. um we have enough people that a person you know if they're in ministry and serving in the church probably they're on every other week normally like you're not I'm I'm teaching you bass and we've kind of kind of this we have no bass players right now other than myself and so you're on a lot um I'm talented but no not because you're talented <laughs> brother I would never let you believe that <laughs> but um you know, it's it's there's great needs, and um, you're right. I think there's people that they want to come, they want to watch, and then they want to leave. There's people that come, they'll do a little bit, um, but as soon as the commitment level gets anywhere uh, outside of their comfort zone, like that, then they're out as well. And I've seen that over the years. I've been there. Uh, Fifteen years at Evangel, and uh, probably the strongest it's ever been, and the most stable it's ever been. But um, we see people come, and and then, and th- you know they'll come and say, "Well, I love to serve. I, I serve every week. I just love serving Jesus. Just let me serve Jesus." And then a year and a half later, it's like, "Oh, well, you know, I, I'd rather be on once a month."
0: This is the problem though, but I don't, it's not just exclusive to the church, I don't think, but Mm -hmm. people don't, aren't honest with like, oh, so I, I, you know, if I'm not enjoying being on base every week, right. Or something like that. Right. And it's like, instead of letting you know that like, this is getting a little bit much, Mm -hmm. I'll wait till I get to boiling point and quit. Yeah. And I've seen that happen yeah a whole bunch of times and i've heard people have come up and talked to me and complained about things in churches and how they're just overwhelmed and seems like no one cares and but they've never mentioned it mm-hmm. like you know they kept to themselves
1: yeah and it and it's really hard to work on something that you don't know about and so i mean in in our case um you know, I'd, I'd rather instruments sit than somebody be there and serving with the wrong motives or the wrong heart, because heart is everything. I mean, that's, um, I think Bill Hybels used to talk about character, chemistry, and comp. he put competence last. Uh, character, first of all, if a person has the right character, uh, they're walking in obedience to God, they've got an open and and heart that's willing to serve and 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 honest, trustworthy, all the character pieces fit together. And then he would talk about chemistry, that ability to get along with others. I mean, I've had people on a worship team or in a children's ministry, and, and it was like no help whatsoever because they couldn't get along with anybody. They couldn't follow direction. You'd say, well, you know, I want you to come in on verse two. And it was like you'd killed their grandmother or something. They just like they could not see how to work together and work on for, for a greater purpose and a greater vision of what could be. So how
0: do you though work with someone like, let's say I was just horrible at base, <laughs> awful. Like, you know, yeah. you, you'd never say that, but let's just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, no, no, I really want to play. I really want to play.
1: Yeah. yeah. Churches
0: yeah. were too nice sometimes, and you know if it, if it's just every Sunday you, I'm up there and it, I'm just wrecking the song, causing distraction. I, I don't know what can yeah. go wrong. I, I'm yeah. not I'm not smart enough on the base to know what I can cause to go wrong. Mm-hmm. But if someone's involved in ministry and it's just not their gifting, but they feel like it is, yeah, right? Because we often have different ideas of how we're gifted and what we're good at. And sometimes we see things and we we think, that's what I want to be good at, so mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm good okay. at
1: that. Right. Have you ever run into that in ministry? Well, we run into it all the time. And, and here's part of the problem, is well-meaning people that will not speak the truth. So you have a, say you have a, a worship leader and they sing, and, and it, and they're just pitchy. They're off. the The phrasing is really messed up. Um, and then their friends come up after, put their arms around, say, "Oh, you did an amazing job." Yep. You, well, you basically lied to them. Take a look at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, like that happens. That happens all the time. And so, I mean. I mean, you can you can say things nicely and you can be kind and tactful. Um, we've done this with musicians and singers and said, you know, you seem to be struggling. Um, we could give you some extra lessons. We could connect you with someone who plays that instrument. It's maybe a little further down the road than you are. And, uh, and if, if you put the time on it, and you work on it, then we'll we'll keep working with you. So many times that person will not follow through with that.
0: So it's sort of a shame. Like, I don't know if it's the, I guess the state of like the church, at least here, mm-hmm. where you've got maybe if you're in a decent sized city, you'll have like the one church that's kind of, that's where everything's going on, maybe one yeah. or two. Yeah. And it's like in that place, you've got the ability because you've got enough maybe funding that you can hire people on right. and that you can actually get people to be ministering right. in the way they are most gifted right. where you know I went to Bible college, graduated pastoral thing and you know there's a whole bunch of things that are covered in the church by the pastor usually mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily what he's good at. Or what he went in wanting to, you know, if you were like, right. oh, I'm a great preacher, I want to preach, but I'm spending all my time doing counseling. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've got those big churches like, well, you we can have the, you know, the family pastor,
1: a counselor or whatever, who's a part of that. Yeah. And. Carrie Newhouse just been talking about that. I forget who, it, who he had on. Um, but in the early days of a church, you, you are kind of the utility person. Um, you're a and,
0: handyman at evangelism. Well,
1: but I, I try not to let people know that because then all of a sudden you get off course and distracted. So in the early days you have to do everything. But if you're not willing in your heart to give away uh, what you don't do well, and sometimes even give away what you do well, so first thing you have to do is okay. What am I? What are my gifts and calling? of ministry in this place and so for me it's it's teaching and direction i i hate administration though i have to do some of it i don't like managing pe- i love working with people but managing people in their in their ministry i'm not a micromanager um you know what you're gifted if you know the overall direction and the goals of of the church then i want to free you to go and do i mean like this this is one of your ideas here tonight and you know i was a little antsy about this cuz i like to know what we're going to talk about i'm a i'm a i'm an only child and old i am an <laughs> older only child who likes to know what's going on and i yeah. don't like surprises and i always have a list with me and i have things jotted on it so that i'm i'm prepared i don't like being unprepared and um and and yet i put this into your hands and i have to really let it go if if i believe that god's gifted you and i believe that he's he's given you a an idea that comes from him and really is there to be augmented into the ministry then i have to have the faith in you to let you fall and sometimes fail and and not and not micromanage the thing to death and so i think that is um when you get someone that says boy i'd love to do this you first of all are they what are they doing already and so there's things that you're you're involved and you're 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 working at things and you're 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 very reliable and you're almost always on time. Good almost. looking too, trying to, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And 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 so we begin and we release it into your hands. And there's kind of some training wheels there, but and and as you become more and more proficient, I, the people will ask me, well, what is where does this go in the church or who looks at? It? And I go, I don't know. It's not my thing. I don't want to know. I don't that that has here's what I do and here's where my focus needs to be and and for right now in our church kind of worship is one of them and teaching and direction and so and but as soon as a, a capable worship leader director person comes in the door that can do that then I will kiss that puppy goodbye and say uh, on to what God really you know, the core of what God has for me to do.
0: Okay, so then what is, like, your perfect sort of church, like, in for what you feel that you want to do in church? What would that look like? If you didn't have to do any of the ministries or, I don't know, all those, like, utility stuff and all that, (laughs) or admin stuff, if you were strictly doing the ministry that, like, when you dreamed of what ministry would look like, what would the church... What would a church like that look like?
1: I think I could look at it a a few different ways, just how God has built me with with the number of of skill sets. Lori, my wife, doesn't think, she says, like, you've worked on your own for so long, and I probably have been self-employed since I was 28, maybe, seven, somewhere in there.
0: That's when I first
1: noticed I was aging.
0: That's when you first noticed your age.
1: Well, there is something. Young men about 27, 28 kind of get this thing of I haven't done anything. I haven't accomplished anything. And and so um, I think I could still be on a team. So scenario number one that I would love is I would love to be a young adults pastor that preaches maybe 20 times a year uh, any, any given number of given Sundays that, uh, I always preach series and I think in books, I think in, in chunks of scripture. So, you know, do a five week on this and do a six week on that and then really make connections with young men, uh, in, in particular, the young men in a, in a church. I mean, that's...
0: Especially nowadays, you want to just stick to the uh, yeah men. yeah <laughs> Don't like that. get in trouble.
1: Well, no, and and that's that's really part of my philosophy of I ministry. Mean, so if I if I've got dad's heart, if I've got the the husband's heart, um, then then the gateway through to his wife, his daughters, his children, it's it's through him. Mm. If I strengthen him, then he gets to be the dad he should be. He gets to be the husband he should be, the the man of God in his home. If I'm building and pouring into him um and and especially young marriages um a real heart for young married couples and and uh, getting them off to a good foot um okay i, I think wait. i think that would be amazing
0: so right there, what right. are young men young newly married men doing wrong
1: oh man, this is very, i mean it uh, Pick a direction and, you know, throw a dart and you could fire. I mean, there's, there is, um, a laxness about life. There is a, a cold heart towards their wife and their wives emotions. And, and they spend more time with their buddies and at work and their place. Like young men today. And it's always been a little bit this way, but I really noticed that that leisure and play seem to occupy so much of young, a young man's life.
0: There's so many more things available to us. Yeah. Seem, like, you know, grade A entertainment is now in the house all the time. Right. Whereas it seems to me yeah. in the past... Mm-hmm. grade A Entertainment was going out and playing yeah. sports. Well, Great A
1: Entertainment for me it was whatever work my dad gave me to do or my grandpa on the farm. Like that was just, I mean, my grandfather had this thing that keep a young man so tired he can barely walk and and he'll stay out of trouble. So that was kind of how I grew up. But well, we get
0: taught like it feels like in school, or at least I felt like it growing up that you, you know. The meaning of life is to be happy. So do what makes you oh, happy. Oh, man.
1: I mean, that that one just makes me so nauseous I want to gag. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I don't care if my children are happy. What I want them to be is to be men and women of character that love God, love their families, are willing to sacrifice, and willing to walk in obedience even when it hurts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's where I want to go with my family. What this saccharine sweet thing of, of just I just want my children to be. I, I have, really, you want your child to be a happy serial killer? You want your child That's a to big be? Jump. Yeah, like I want your you want your child to be a, a happy adulterer? Like, give me a break, people. Like, think about the reality of life and what you want for this. Think of your grandchildren. What kind of father do you want for your grandchildren? some namsy pamsy guy that that can't it won't grow up and will not do what needs to be to provide and care for and nurture and look after that and is so self-centered that his marriage disintegrates after 10 years and and then he's on to the next thing and the, and the grandchildren are left by his children are left behind his wife is left by like that is just don't you think that's extreme, though? Like no. when you
0: sell, when someone's saying they want their kid to be happy, or they they're not taught, saying they want them to be doing a bunch of horrible things. They're not thinking to be happy.
1: They're not thinking. They want what they want. What what most parents mean when they want their children to be happy is living a life in such a way as that it doesn't come back and bother them. Hmm. So what, not is willing... this the
0: parents trying to like lose some responsibility mm-hmm. then, or something?
1: Parents have abdicated responsibility. For years, oh, I'm raising kids at school. That's what right. it feels like, right? It, and and you can't because your hands are tied in some ways, mm-hmm. and and when it comes to self discipline, I mean that's the whole point of discipline is that you teach a child to be self disciplined. Mm-hmm. But we have we have so many. I mean I run into young couples all the time, and sometimes first, second, third, fourth marriages, and. And so many so many are self-centered egocentric I mean it's, it's me and my life and and if it gets difficult in any way I'm so out of here where this whole idea of sacrificing yeah of of no Martha we're not going out tonight because our kids need us at home and right now the worst thing we could do would be to walk out that door I mean and I've lived some of this like this is not this is not coming from somebody who did it right and in many ways didn't even have a good, um, not per, not perfect role, role models in this. I think my grandfather had a lot of things down right, but there's things that he didn't, he didn't have down either. My grandfather, not a great communicator with my grandmother. Um, I mean, my grandfather would hold on to stubbornness. He didn't talk to my grandmother for six weeks because my father was a boy and not a girl. Anyway, it's not. I mean, that well, wasn't even her fault because no. we know that that's not where not Henry the gender VIII com- figured it, it, that out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we all come from dysfunctional backgrounds, but it's like we magnify it. It's like we put a microphone up to it and magnify the dysfunctions, as opposed to rolling up our sleeves and entering in and saying, well, I'm going to slay this thing. Whatever this thing is in my life that's keeping me from being a good dad, a good husband, a, a, a good follower of Jesus, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and slay this thing under the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm going to allow God to do whatever he needs to do in my life so that I get from where I am today to where The Bible talks about I should be in my walk and in how I approach life. Basically, it's all about responsibility. Absolutely. And that's
0: hard. Uh, I've struggled with that a lot and not been able to give, find some sort of direction for my life for a long time. Mm -hmm. And... I, I don't know if that's where it's really like stems from. Like I remember mm-hmm. growing up and they'd be asking us all the time, what uh, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I, I remember at one point I wanted to be a paleontologist because I love dinosaurs, but <laughs> that okay. that faded off. And yeah. uh, after that, I don't think I ever knew what I wanted to do because nothing seemed, everything I looked at, I, I had like the mm-hmm. Disney love story version of what a career would be where it's like in the Disney movies they meet the guy or the girl and they just instantly know they're the one and I I thought somehow a career was supposed to click like that Mm -hmm. and I've talked to some people who said they have they have always known but I don't know for me I got to the point where I just had to do something and it was like until I did it's like making the decision brought me so much freedom and I narrowed Mm -hmm. my choice down so mm-hmm. much and saying, I'm only going to pursue this one thing now. Right. Yet somehow I was so much, I, I don't want to say happy because you don't like that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I felt so much more like, a, you know, the burn on, uh, like there was just too many choices before. Yeah. It,
1: it, it's all right to have joy in something, but when I make happiness my center and it's all about happiness. That's, that's where I think we get off track. For me, it wasn't like I knew, I, I, I never had a problem, what do I want to do? It was the perseverance to walk through the difficult part of that and get to the other side. I mean, there's, there's, something, there's something that you have to do in every career or every great undertaking that you, there's a part of it you're not going to like. There's a part of it's difficult. You want to play. An instrument well, you have the law of ten thousand hours—that it takes ten thousand hours of of an intense work and study to master something. And so I found that I was here. I was at thirty-five, and and I was a jack of all trades and master of none. I've been a, a baker, a motorcycle mechanic. I've assembled uh, machinery for International Harvester. Uh, I ran a pizza store. I ran uh, two appliance stores, a commercial refrigeration store. Um, had men on the road doing repairs. I have um, farmed. I've made maple syrup. I have. I mean, you know, the list goes on of things. So, but persevering through to the level of of the of excellence—that is where my because I would lose interest Mm -hmm. I couldn't be good enough fast enough I would be I would be good but not excellent
0: to persevere through like the I guess that low period that for me like it's the plateau because I always go back to with guitar I've never made it past this certain plateau I play I play I play and then I get there and then I stop playing for a year Right, or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, thankfully, my end goal isn't to be a famous musician, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. you know that would cause a problem. Like it, you know, that's just a hobby. So, right, it, right. but you let other things in life yeah. do that, and pff, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should be pushing through that just out of, mm-hmm. um, I don't know,
1: out of character yeah. or something. Like it, it would be good yeah. for me. I remember I, I had. um almost finished uh, Bible college and then I went into business I was like three credits short and uh, I had gone into business I had been in business for maybe six or seven years at the time and uh, and a friend of mine uh, was one of the dean D- D- of students and he came to me and said like why, why don't you finish this what? I mean you only have three courses finish the three courses if you've never Go into ministry or pastor a church. At least you finished. You've got a, a a grade. You can say a diploma on the wall, and you can say you've finished it. Mm-hmm. And really, it was his challenge. And in 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 a godly, manly way, he kind of took me by the scruff of the neck and said, "When are you going to finish something all the way?" Yeah and uh and that's where the turning point came. And, and and it's amazing how God when you when you submit in one area at one point in time, the next area of submission comes along, the next area of submission comes along and and before I knew it, I began to to gain that self-discipline, which I mean this is this is what we look at in nine and ten year old boys, right? mm-hmm and that's the area that if you don't gain self-discipline and the ability to put off uh, short-term pleasure for long-term um, results, you're plagued the rest of your life. Stats say, I think I think it's 10 or 11, maybe it's even 12, but much after that, if that's not built in, if you're... If their main male role model in your life hasn't gotten that through to you and been able to help you kind of dig down into that, that will that will carry on uh on and on in your life. And and it took some men in my life. And at that point it wasn't my dad. My dad was not a real my dad's very quiet. If there's more than two people in a room, he wouldn't say a word. And and he wasn't one to speak truth into my life very often once in a while probably you could count on one hand the number of times my dad and so I didn't have do that might mean
0: like, when, like speaking truth like call outs yeah like he'd be like hey yeah. you're doing this wrong right
1: and and this is what you need to do and and here's here's what it is to follow through and my grandfather more so but then I you know I had my grandfather till I was probably 34 the last 10 years. He ceased to be that man because age and and, um, inability to enter in in a strong way. And so God began to put these other Christian men. And that's, I mean, I'd say if you're a Christian man and and God has worked in your life, then you need to share what God's done in your life with those around you, that he didn't do those things without purpose and intent. And so God used some men that we see in our church today that I bring in to, from time to time, guys like, like Bill Coleman and and uh, this prof who's Jim Sianka and, and some others, uh, Marvin Brubaker and others who came into my life at, at various points and and helped me make that decision and give me the wake-up call and um, didn't allow me... To back out, mm-hmm. and that that you know, without those, then I would have never have, have achieved the things I did. And then I began to say, okay, I mean, I was always busy, always like ten things on the go. Nothing's and, changed. Well, well, it has really. Yep. I mean, if you if you think I'm busy now, um, you could multiply that by maybe four, and um, and so. You know, I'd say, no, I can't do that. You know, one of the hardest things as a pastor, if you're a people person and you love doing ministry to people, one of the hardest things, set your butt in a chair at the beginning of a week and not get out until that message is done.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. there, I mean, there's guys that love to study, they're in the books, and they could, I mean, they could live in a library and they would never give up. Yeah. And then there's guys that like the They're library is anathema to them. Like, just, yeah. oh man, I got to sit down and write. And so I I learned early early on as I began to be in ministry that you you sit your butt in the chair, get the work done. Nothing gets in the way of this. In fact, I had to, be, I had to become a planner. I was not a planner. Uh, I do a ministry calendar each year where. In May, I map out the whole year. Here's where I'm speaking from. Here's what the the passages of scripture I'm I am working through. Then I take time in the summer. I do exegesis in it, and 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 so that whole idea of putting off immediate pleasure for long term gain. It's like that marshmallow test of the kids, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you, tell them about that because I thought that was very interesting.
0: Well. Uh just one of those old tests you can do with kids where you give them a marshmallow. And I i don't know if you say wait 10 minutes, probably doesn't matter how long it has to be more than a minute. I imagine, but you say, you know, if you wait 10 minutes, we'll give you two feed it right away. That's all you get. And it's surprising how many kids can't do it. Yeah. Well, they got to shove that thing in their mouth. Yeah. And what's interesting is like as an adult, that's easy. Mm-hmm. That marshmallow test would be simple. But I've seen other th- other things, that, the exact same principle that you can't do mm-hmm. or we can't do. Like something simple as it's easier not to exercise, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the long-term benefit is mm-hmm. incredible compared to not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you finish work or you don't want to get up early to go do that. There's just things like cleaning your room. Yeah. Right? Um, It's easy to live in a pigsty. <laughs> yeah. And. Not if you're married, but
1: okay. <laughs> you know, I I agree with you.
0: Yeah. I, I can't even remember. There was something just this week I was talking about to, to someone. It was that same thing. And I was like, just like, you know, I, I could ace the marshmallow test, but I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> or, all right. I, I guess I should say, I have not yet been able to do this, whatever it was we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But. Okay, something you mentioned there, uh, sitting down to write the sermon, mm-hmm. that reminded me, you were telling me about something you read from, I don't know if it in Carrie Newhoff's book or his podcast, something you are listening to, and you are talking about being distracted from your phone. Yeah. How does that thing, it's something, I don't know, something about like, it takes you off for a certain amount of time. If you look yeah. at your phone or if yeah. you hear the text message.
1: Yeah, and, and the amount of time that's eaten up by that. And and I, I've always been kind of a gate. I, I don't like to be controlled by anything. Um, that's just part of my personality. And so... Even God? Uh, anything. <laughs> God is the ultimate. And in fact, isn't it amazing how God doesn't control us? Yeah. He gives us options. He gives us... Um, plenty of room to work in, and um, but Yo, what yeah. What was
0: the? Do you remember the exact thing with the cell phone?
1: Not exactly, but I, I remember that um. It, it talked about the amount of time that is is wasted, and like even if you take a phone call, it's almost like twenty minutes before you get back to where you were. Yeah, yeah, that's what when the phone rang. It's
0: like if you're in a groove, it take took you twenty minutes to get there. Yeah, and then just glancing at a phone because you hear the text thing go yeah. off or whatever, and so you keep it turned
1: off while you're writing. Yeah, and it doesn't help. I mean, that's you you waste as much time as if you'd stopped and answered the thing, and so. For me, um, they had a really interesting conversation about running a fixed calendar and, um, and doing your most productive work. If if you're a morning person, then you would schedule that in the morning. Uh, if you're an afternoon person then you would. So for me, what I do is mornings tend to be, if I'm trying to be creative, if I'm writing or whether it's writing music or writing content or, um, Working on a message, um, I would say five o'clock till about nine o'clock in the morning is my best time. Uh, I get the most accomplished, and that's kind of what I call high horsepower time. the The next time frame of ten to about two. I mean, I can schedule things there, like do scheduling administration doesn't take as much horsepower as being creative from about two to five in the afternoon. I do things that you could teach a chimpanzee how to do like very, like I, I do not give myself complicated work to do at that point in time.
0: That's the stuff you had me doing when I was an intern probably. Well, a little <laughs> bit maybe.
1: Um, I mean, the, I have a son who's a uh, contractor and, and he won't work weekends. Because by the time he's gotten to Friday afternoon, um, he finds when he works Saturdays, he makes more mistakes. Hmm. Um, he said you know, the day that he had a $1,200 door that he cut you know, about an eighth of it, or maybe it was more than an eighth, probably about three-eighths of an inch too short and ruined a $1,200 door, he went, like, I He works not-
0: too fast, maybe, is the other thing, too. Well, he, well, he was well, very fast. Well, I, I had him in doing some stuff for my house, and then another contractor came in and was talking with him was blown away at how fast he works yeah. and does a good job. Yeah, he does.
1: So. He uh, he worked for McDonald's when he was in high school, and uh, and so the, the manager lady, uh, the first week he had worked there, called him into the office and said, where did you learn to work like this? You're you're early, you are never sick, you do exactly what I tell you to do, and you take less time to do it than anybody else. <laughs> He's like, well, I don't know. Like and and so she went on and explained a little bit when he goes, Oh, he says that. I've been a slave from the womb. <laughs> and uh but we did I mean we always worked with the boys and, and my, actually my daughter, my daughter is a good a roofer as my oldest son. Um, but we just, we were busy and we stayed busy and a high work ethic and, and, um, and I think God, you know, God knows those things and he uses it to trim away stuff in our life. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's always the next thing, you know, so I don't, you don't have a trouble with your work ethic, but you have trouble getting along with some, like there's, there's always areas of, of dysfunction where God is working and where God is, uh, is, is, is one person called it like sandpaper, sanding off the rough edges in your life. And we've talked a lot about that tonight. You know, we've talked about a lot of different kinds of rough edges and, and ministry kind of things and and life stuff and and I don't compartmentalize things I don't see my you know ministry here and life here and being a husband over here it to me it all works together it's all one thing mm-hmm. that's the idea of biblical integrity that you're the same man at work as you are at home the same man at home as you are at church like, like, God forbid that your children would say, who is that guy at church? Because it's not the guy I see at home.
0: It's annoying because I've, I've known people where, and I, I hope I'm never like this. I mean, but uh, you hear something about them. You hear about yeah. a problem at home and you're like, but that's the super nicest guy ever at church. Like, yeah. what's going on? And then, you know, oh, he's abusive at home. Yeah, what what the heck?
1: (laughs) I think the thing is, we try to put on this front that everything is good, and and really carry out. I love how Steve Brown talks about that, and not that you tell everybody your deepest, darkest secrets, but you need to let people know that you've got them.
0: Yeah,
1: and not in a. I mean one of my pet peeves is people that uh, I know I'm not perfect but well you've told me right there that you pretty much think you're close to being perfect mm-hmm. and we are so far from perfect we are so far from having it all together that um that it, it would make me blush to say that kind of thing before before God who knows my heart and knows my foibles and my my weak points and in the areas of sin that are struggled with. And you know, I, I now here's some older folks and sometimes from the holiness kind of background and, you know, God bless them, but it's like, no, I haven't sinned today and I don't you know, I I haven't sinned for maybe this week, I don't think. And i and I just Either my life is so different. Yeah, you're a bad guy. <laughs> it, it's got to, I mean, like I just, either we don't have a perception of the insidiousness of sin and the pervasiveness of sin. Like when, when we talk about total depravity, it's not that everything that I do is sinful, it's that sin has touched every area. It's touched my thinking. It's touched my, my choices. It's touched how I operate in life. It's touched my heart and the things I desire, and 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 lust after, and and so sin is just. It's, it's like, it's like I've been tattooed with this thing on every part, and and when I understand that the pervasiveness of sin and the depth of sin, then I have to stop playing games with God pretending that I've got it together, pretending that, that somehow I'm this person that I'm not. And I mean, we all try to make ourselves look good. I, I get that. None of us want to go in front of a room of people and go, I, I just want to tell you all that I'm just the, the, the crappiest person that ever walked the earth. Like, nobody wants to do that.
0: But well, what does it look like? Like if I sit in here right now and I said, Oh, actually like, yeah, I've got things pretty under control. I haven't sinned in a week. What's going through your head? Exactly. Like how, like if I haven't broken, let's say just commandments kind of thing, yeah, yeah, what yeah. I'm not outwardly sinning. What do you think would pot? What are the yeah. ways that you think sin is still manifesting itself in my life?
1: My grandfather, um, did a lot of concrete work. I, I've got we've got home videos of, of me at five years old pitching gravel into a cement mixer. I put actually I put the two shovelfuls of sand, he put eight of gravel, and then I got to put in the two shovelfuls of Portland. And um Depending on the work we did, we had different size screens that we would run the sand through half inch, quarter inch, eighth inch. The person who says, Man, I've you know, this has been a great week. Haven't sinned once this week. I think the filter that they're running life through is like a one inch sand screen. There's so much stuff flowing through. They can't perceive what it would be to have a one-eighth-inch screen, a filter in their life. And so there's so much sin that's happening that that we're not even aware of. Attitude, thought, omission, commission, all those different areas where sin touches my life. My thinking and, and what I think about my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law or what I think about my mother-in-law or that person at work that I'm frustrated with because they're not pulling their end of the deal and that person that cut me off that I would just hammer my hand like the idea of of, of just hating a brother of just hating someone is equivalent to murder to lust where does that line when I when I look at something when I look at a person Is a man looking at a woman, at what line does it actually become lust, and is there any gray area in there? And I'll find that if I've got a real tolerant sin filter, the gray area is about six feet wide, Mm -hmm. where, where God's sand screen on sin may be very much narrower than what I think it is. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. And the overall paradigm carry is that, is that what I hold when I hold my life up to the light, which is Jesus, that reveals an awful lot of what's going on inside of me. And if I hold my life up and I, and it, it, it's interesting is that the, muffler man today I love dealing with the guys on the muffler man and uh and the guy pulled out my air filter in the car and you couldn't even see or the truck you couldn't even see through it it was you could put a light on the other side it was so dense and so clogged up with crap that you couldn't get see light coming through that filter our lives are like that so many times we think they're clean we think they we're sucking in enough air it must be clean but in reality, when we put it up to the light of God and his holiness, it's God's holiness will will reset your sin meter. Yeah. And I'd say if, you, if you've if got a very poor filter on sin, you have a very poor concept filter on the holiness of God. Because if you got God's holiness, mm-hmm. it would make this huge difference in your life.
0: I've noticed that there's like the way, you, I guess you're in your horizon of what sin is kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it seems like when you're starting out, you've got your Ten Commandments or something like that. And you're like, okay, that's what sin is. And as you grow, you start seeing how much more complex things are mm-hmm. and how things that you once thought weren't a problem in your life actually are a problem. And um, like, where are you at now, I guess compared to compared to like twenty years ago, thirty. Uh, you know, if you held yourself up to that light,
1: man. Steve Brown uses an analogy of a person who's just really upset with him and angry with him, and he was talking about. Um, uh, I won't go into the whole thing, but. You know, the person said, you are you are arrogant, and you are are mean-spirited, and you are angry. And and Steve Brown said to him, bingo. But I'm not as bad as I was. <laughs> and God's at work. And so I'm not sure I can quantify that for you. I see yeah. there's things that I thought there's a, a guy in can get into trouble with this guy Brendan Monaghan. um and one of his thing one of his last things he wrote before he died he said i thought i'd be a lot further down the road than i was mm-hmm. and i think there's a healthy sense of, there's there's part of us that can become modeling and look at what isn't and and we kind of stop and go nowhere but a healthy view of where I have to go is, 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 is helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I would say I'm not, I'm there's things in my life that I thought would be gone long ago. I thought they would be mastered. I thought they would be finished. I thought I'd wrestled that puppy to the ground two or three times. Well, if I
0: knew for a fact and could tell you those things will never be gone, how does that make you feel? now.
1: Yeah. Just like, just like Paul, when he was told that whatever that thorn in the front flesh was going to be, it was never going to leave. And God said, my grace is sufficient. So I do the part that God's called me to do. I walk in obedience. I submit where I can, how I can to the best of my ability. And I leave the rest into his hands of grace face it without God's grace you and I would be I mean we'd be we'd be fried like barbecue <laughs> and, God, and and it's astonishing of God's grace and and you hear people say oh God you know God is punishing me and and I love there's another guy I listened to and he said like if you were getting what you really deserve, You know, don't think that this thing that you're going through right now is is God's punishment in your life, because if you if God worked like that He talks about using God making God a child abuser out of it. Mm -hmm. But if you if you got if God worked like that, you'd be you, you wouldn't be in this predicament, you'd be dead. Yeah. And so God's grace and his graciousness in our lives and as he works with us in sin. God knows where what sin needs to be conquered now. God knows what sin we're going to work on over here. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like in my life, it's trust and faith, faith and trust that what God is doing right now is the very thing that God needs to be doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And and not my own agenda and my own thought about man, if I could just get this under control, then then this would take place. Or if I could just if I could just have X, then then everything would open up in front of me. And and God knows better than you do what you need.
0: Yeah, what's with that though? Because I think everyone can relate to that. We've all had these ideas. If I got this area, you know, we always go back to like the karma thoughts. I feel like it's like our basic. I don't know, reset, factory reset mm-hmm. mod- model or something like that. Like yeah. I, I, anytime there's something in my life that I feel like it should be going a certain way and it's not, I automatically think like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. You know, if I was doing these things right, then it would happen. And the, realizing Wait, that's not how grace yeah. works.
1: Well, no, that's not how grace works, but that—that that is how life works because that's what the Bible calls the law of sowing and reaping. Yeah. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a woman sows, that's what they'll also reap. Whatever a teenager sows, th- when we don't reap what we've sown, that is pure, utter, unadulterated grace. Mm-hmm. And I've been there.
0: But I, we, you don't think that... I want, uh, I don't know, a promotion at work, right? So I want a promotion at work, and I can't get them, by the way, with teaching. It's like just a strict grid thing. But if I did, if I could, and then I don't get one, and I think, oh, it's because I did that one sin that I can't get out of my life. You know? Mm -hmm. You don't actually think that's how... It, like, because t- to me that's sort of that karma thing, where it's like, you know, I, I had too many bad points stacked for the,
1: the probability is is that God knows if you got that promotion right now, that would be the worst thing in your life for you. And what He's trying to do in your life, the sharp edges He's taking off. I mean, Jesus said God is a good father, and if we, being evil men and women, comparatively to God, know how to give good gifts to our children. And and I always try to give good gifts to our kids. Whenever you when you turn sixteen, you got a car. It wasn't much of a car, it ran and it stopped well. Always made sure it had good brakes. And and if you bought the parts, I fixed the car. But if we know how to give good gifts, certainly God knows how to give good gifts in our life too. And so the thing that we think is not a gift. So I, I want the gift of a promotion, and God goes, son. That is the worst gift you could receive right now. I'm going to give you a gift, and that gift is called perseverance. That gift is called learning tenacity. That gift is called learning to live with disappointment. Um, it's, it's not a Christian movie, but there's the it's called The Gift, I think. Mm-hmm. The Ultimate Gift. But really good principle in it. And and, and this, this kid has, I mean, he's got a grandfather. is like a bazillionaire. And and he makes him kind of walk through a number of steps. And what he's doing, is teaching this grandson that, that hard work is good, that generosity is good, that doing a good job, even if I don't like the job, is like, so he takes him through these ultimate gifts. And at the end... He sees that all the disappointments and all the setbacks, and all the times he was angry with this grandfather who had passed away and left this living will for him. At the very end, he goes, The man loved me. He was doing good to me. And I think that's how we are with God. When we get to the end of the deal, we're going to see the thing that I thought was so necessary in my life, the thing that I thought was so important was nothing it was just like whew, nothing <laughs>
0: just like dust oh yeah you, you definitely see that in hindsight often you like i didn't even i'm glad
1: yeah. that didn't happen or in in some times we need more hinder sight. yeah it comes after death yeah it comes when god when when all things are revealed and all things are laid bare before us
0: how are you feeling
1: how am I feeling? Yeah, as
0: in you said I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm getting tired because I didn't. Yeah, have Yeah, I am to. too. I am too. <laughs> I think.
1: Why don't we um, close this down for today? Okay. And... How how'd you
0: feel about doing your first podcast? Was well, this, it was. It, are you still feeling uh, scared?
1: It? Well, no, I'm not as confused as I thought I would be. Okay. And you didn't lead me down too many bunny bunny trails, and I don't think I I. I went too far off of what I'm... You only stuck when... your foot in your mouth a few times. I I, I try not to. <laughs> I try not to. But uh, should we end it like we do with the radio program?
0: Yeah, but you do that because I've only done it a few times. I don't even remember <laughs> okay. what you say.
1: Well, thank you for joining us today. It's just been great to get to know you. This is kind of an opening session. We may have even a little bit more next time to talk about uh, what things God has taken us through. And we'd encourage you to come back and check us out again. And remember, until you do, don't end your day without a word with God. There it is.